Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is pretty close to 8 o'clock a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 30th of March, 2022. This is episode 565 of Bitcoin. And I woke up at 2.30 this morning. Not on purpose. Telling you, not on purpose. And this brings me to something that I saw on Twitter yesterday. Um, And I can't remember who. And if you're listening to me, it's not... it's it's nothing personal. It's just literally I don't have the tweet up and my feed has, you know, hundreds of you guys in it. So, but somebody was uh, saying that they woke up at 4.30 and that they've been doing that for a while now. I have been also waking up extraordinarily early. It's very, it's unusual. It's unusual for me. I mean, I used to wake up at 5 a.m., but I had to set an a, an alarm for that one. But now I'm waking up, like it's like I'm waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. And my question to y'all is this, is there anybody else out there that's waking up very early and you don't want to? Like you didn't set an alarm for it. You didn't mean to. And that the time that you're waking up and you cannot go back to sleep, that's the, the, the real one. I woke up at 2.30 this morning, have been up ever since could not go back to sleep. And this has been going on with me for probably a year, at least eight to 10 months. I've just been waking up. It doesn't happen all the, you know, it doesn't happen every morning, but it's been happening enough that it's like, what the, it's starting to get me to ask the question, what the hell is this? So if any of you guys are out there and you're waking up early, you didn't set an alarm, you can't get back to sleep, and it's a very unusual time for you to be getting up in the morning, DM me or, or get in my, you know, throw me some, you know, Twitter, like just mention me or something like that. Let me know. Because I had asked that question on Twitter. If anybody else was waking up early, the same question that I'm posing here. And I got one person that wrote back and said, yeah, that they started waking up early and it's unusual and they don't like it. And I don't think this has anything to do with the time change. And no, I don't necessarily think it's harp or something else or, you know, some kind of weird government conspiracy theory, but something's weird. And I wonder if it's possible that the rage machine that is all of social media right now is starting to affect our mental capacities for being, you know, a resilient human being. Because when I got on Twitter this morning, And well, actually I laid in bed. All I could do was meditate. That's all I could do until my wife woke up at 4.30 so that she had her alarm set because she has to drive to to go into uh, work. Um, I just laid there 
So at 4.30, I get on, start prepping the show, and I'm looking at my Twitter feed, and it is downright scary right now. I mean, it's like, and I can't, I, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is that's scary, but it's like, it's just this raft of not bad news, but potentially very seriously bad news to come. And I'm starting to wonder if this is starting to affect us in ways that that we don't really think. And it came to me the other day, and it's not that I this I know this is not an original thought, <clears throat> but with the way media is today, it's like a it's like a water system. Think of think of all media, social media, CNBC, magazines, newspapers, the the, the whole thing billboards, movies, you name it, man, radio included, podcast included, all right? Everything, all media is being injected like a water system of a town with poison. And we're slowly being poisoned in our minds. And it's starting to make us do and think and react in ways that we normally wouldn't do. I think it's happening. And I think we've got to be conscious of it. And I think we've got to really guard against it because shit is probably going to get real, real fast. How do we guard against it? Again, get in my, get in my Twitter feed, DM me, do, you know, say, how are you guarding against it? Do you recognize that it's here? Do you see the same thing that I'm seeing? Do, do you recognize what I'm talking about here and go shit? Yeah. This is going on, you know, like I'm, I'm waking up earlier. I'm seeing shit in my Twitter feed that is somehow or another getting past all my filters. And it's just, it's driving me stark raving mad, right? So, you know, not to put a damper, you know, on everything because we have to live our lives and we have to live our lives in the best possible way that we can live our lives. I have been saying for a long time to disconnect, like get it, move out of the cities, stuff like that. Disconnect from social media. I probably am not going to be able to stomach looking at Twitter after I do this show because I have to look at it because I'm, I, I use Twitter to set up the show. Um, and I have to look at it, not like I'm in my list because I just, I live inside my Bitcoin list is streaming by and I'm just seeing shit that's like, I, uh, like oi whoa man i don't i don't even know about that so get like dump into my dms and or or tweet at me it's at ghost of nunya ghost of nunya i used to be nunya business and it was b e n n d 77 but that uh, account has been destroyed by twitter and i had to build a new one it is at ghost of nunya tell me what you're doing I'll tweet it. I will retweet it. If it's, you know, send me positive things, send me, uh, things that you could, that you're doing that's working for you to, to guard against the incredible mountain of bullshit that I'm seeing on a daily basis. Now we can do this y'all. We can do this. And I think we can help each other do this. And I'm asking for help. I need, I need some tips and tricks on how to keep a, a good, positive mental attitude, you know, because what, what I'm seeing is like, just, it's awful. So we need to guard against it. 
and uh, we can help each other do that. Uh, ZBD is doing that, kind of, because they're a video game company. Uh, but the one that I got here for you right now is from Sean Amick out of Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin Magazine's catching a lot of shit today <laughs> for, for talking about something that I'll talk about later. So I hope you don't give me the same amount of shit. Bitcoin gaming company ZBD announces new lightning donation streaming tool. Bitcoin-only gaming company ZBD is entering the creator economy with their new tool, ZBD Streamer, or Steamer, which will allow streamers to accept Bitcoin tips straight to their wallets, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Creators will be able to take advantage of ZBD Streamer's platform agnosticism, which means streamers from Twitch, YouTube, and other platforms will be able to accept Bitcoin tips all without fees. Quote, a major focus for how we build ZBD Streamer was making sure it was highly accessible and can work on any streaming platform, says Andre or Andre Neves, co-founder and CTO at ZBD. Quote, open systems and interoperability are the very core of ZBD, so we're excited to bring a completely platform agnostic product to content creators and their audiences. End quote. Audience members who wish to tip creators in Bitcoin will simply scan a QR code and utilize a supported Bitcoin Lightning wallet to send the tip. Once the tip has been initiated, a custom GIF presented in an animation with customizable fonts and colors, as well as displaying the amount do donated, which creators have the freedom to set a maximum and minimum amount. 0 $0.0004 is the lowest minimum that can be set, which allows for an extremely affordable use as ZBD collects no fees. Quote, we decided to start with tipping because that is the most obvious use case, but plan on releasing more exciting and highly innovative features to ZBD streamer soon, said Nevs in a release. The addition of this streaming tool allows the creation of a Bitcoin circular economy in which users can earn and spend Bitcoin in their gaming communities. One representation of this is ZBD Kart, a kart racing game that allows hosts of each game to pay participants of the match in Bitcoin. The Bitcoin earned through playing games with the community can then be used for tipping and the betterment of the gaming community. So Bitcoin marches on, as usual. Even with all the crap and the muck being thrown at it right now, the guys in this community, they just keep building. That's the, in my opinion, the heads down, keep building attitude is the one thing that has saved Bitcoin time and time and time again, where we just stop listening and just start working and build things, build communities, build protocols, build layers on top of Bitcoin. That's why I think Bitcoin continues to not only survive, but to thrive. So thank God for that. Now on the flip side of that same coin, Pun intended, Axie Infinity's Ronin Bridge hacked for over $600 million. This is another rundown by Zihuan Sun from Cointelegraph. Uh, maybe we know more about it today. According to Axie Infinity's official Discord and Ronin Network's official Twitter thread, along with its Substack page, the Ronin Bridge and Katana decks have been halted after suffering an exploit of 173,600 Ethereum and 25.5 million USDC coins, 
worth a combined $612 million at Tuesday's prices. In a statement, its developers said that they are currently working with law enforcement officials, forensic cryptographers, and our investors to make sure that all funds are recovered or reimbursed. All of the AXS, RON, and SLP tokens on Ronin are safe right now. As told by Ronin developers, the attacker used hacked private keys in order to forge fake withdrawals, draining the funds from the Ronin bridge in two transactions. Count them, one, two, two transactions. $612 million in two transactions. More importantly, the hack occurred on March the 23rd, but it was only discovered on Tuesday after a user allegedly uncovered issues after failing to withdraw 5000 ETH from the Ronin bridge. At the time of publication, RON, Ronin's primary governance token, has fallen nearly 20% to a buck 88 in the past hour. Sky Mavis Ronin chain currently consists of nine validator nodes, of which at least five signatures are needed to recognize a deposit or a withdrawal event. The attacker managed to gain control over five private keys consisting of Sky Mavis's four Ronin validators and one third-party validator run by Axie Decentralized Autonomous Organization, or DAO. Obtaining unauthorized access to the later, latter was especially time-consuming. Last November, when Sky Mavis, the developer of the Axie Infinity and Ronin ecosystems, requested help from the Axie DAO to distribute free transactions due to a surge in the number of users. The Axie DAO whitelisted Sky Mavis to sign various transactions on its behalf and the process was discontinued in December. However, access to the whitelist was not revoked. Once the attacker obtained access to Sky Mavis systems, they acquired the final signature from the Axie DAO validator, thereby completing the node threshold required for the illicit siphoning of funds from Ronin. At the time of publication, most of the hacked funds are still sitting inside the attacker's wallet. Boys and girls, shall we, shall we continue to shitcoin or have you had enough yet? I don't think anybody's had enough yet. Amazingly, somehow or another, people are going to ape into this shit all over again and they're going to get hacked again. And it's just be, it's one continuous train wreck with anything outside of Bitcoin. And I just, I don't get it. I, I, and I never will. That's, you know, that's my cross to bear, I suppose. But we've got better fish to fry. Bitcoin Magazine's Bob Simon has this piece. It's an opinion piece, so it's a little bit longer. Why Bitcoin has no competition. Now, this article is the written version of a video presentation that can be viewed at the article, go to the article page on Bitcoin Magazine. The name of the article by Bob Simon is Why Bitcoin Has No Competition, and you can see it there. So let's get started with this one. Bitcoin is outdated. It's too slow, too simple. Chances are you've heard one of these arguments or maybe even made some of these claims yourself. With Bitcoin sitting at around $40,000 at the time of the video, many people feel as though they have missed the boat. If I could just have gotten in at 10, 100, or even 1,000, they think, then I'd be set for life. The truth, of course, is not so simple. In reality, if you would have bought Bitcoin at $10, you likely would have sold right around 20 and then bragged to your friends of your 100% gains, or maybe you would have ended up like this guy. 
This guy is being is known as Greg Schoen on Twitter. He says, I wish I had kept my 1700 BTC at six cents instead of selling them at 0. 0.30 dollars. Jesus. Now they're eight dollars. Let that sink in. He had 1700 BTC. 1700 gone. It takes a special, maybe even a bit crazy type of person to sit on 300,000% unrealized gains. Chances are you're not that guy. This then brings us to a very important point. It is not about when you buy, it's about why you buy. Many people who first got into Bitcoin over a decade ago remain broke, while many others who just a few years ago began religiously stacking sats and are sitting comfortably. The difference lies entirely in the philosophy. And chances are, if you're searching for the next Bitcoin, you have a flawed philosophy. You likely suffer from one of the following conditions. You don't fully understand Bitcoin's purpose. You don't fully understand Bitcoin's upside, or you don't fully understand what makes Bitcoin special. What makes Bitcoin special is not simply the fact that it was the first cryptocurrency. When it comes to Bitcoin's first mover advantage, many people like to bring up the fates of MySpace and Yahoo. However, this comparison is a common fallacy and demonstrates a fundamental misunderstanding of what Bitcoin really is. Instead of thinking of Bitcoin like an internet company, it's more accurate to think of Bitcoin as akin to the internet itself. Just as the internet revolutionized the world of information, Bitcoin revolutionizes the world of value. At its foundation, the internet of today is the same as the internet of the early 90s. However, when it comes to the number of applications, user interface, and overall societal significance, the internet of today is nearly unrecognizable from the internet of the 90s. It was not necessary to create an entirely new internet. Rather, these new features and applications were eventually built on top of existing infrastructure. Many people struggle to extend their gaze beyond the present and thus had absolutely no ability to foresee the slow, bulky, confusing internet of the early days evolving into the high-speed, compact, intuitive version we now carry around in our pockets. TCP, Transmission Control Product Protocol, and IP, Internet Protocol, are the two of the base layers underpinning the internet. TCP IP was invented in the 1970s and still serves as the foundation of internet data transfer. Has technology not improved since then? Have the brightest computer scientists throughout the world not been able to come up with anything more efficient than TCP IP? The answer, of course, is that technology has improved since the 70s and many proposals to replace TCP IP have been made. So then why are we still using an outdated protocol despite the existence of improved versions? The answer to this question gives us a hint as to why Bitcoin is likely not to be replaced by any of the 16,000 plus cryptocurrencies circulating today. Keep this question in mind as you continue reading and we'll come back to it later. It's important to remember that the purpose of Bitcoin is, or what the purpose of Bitcoin is, Bitcoin's purpose is to serve as an alternative to our corrupt fiat financial system, which is dominated by governments and central banks. Bitcoin was created to bring financial sovereignty to the individual by removing power from central banks, commercial banks, and governments, and giving this power directly to the people. Bitcoin's job is simple. Follow the rules agreed upon by the network and keep going. That's it. It does this job extremely well. 
Not even the most powerful government in the world has the power to change Bitcoin's rules. This then is Bitcoin's key feature. The one thing that sets it apart from every single altcoin, immutability. Bitcoin's monetary possible has policy has not wavered from its course originally set by Satoshi over a decade ago. This can be compared to the monetary policy of the second largest cryptocurrency, Ethereum. As you can see, it changes drastically and changes often. What is the maximum supply of Ethereum? There's no answer to this question. In fairness, Ethereum was not created to be a Bitcoin alternative. It was created as an attempt to fulfill another niche, namely that of smart contracts. However, today, many of the most vocal Ethereum advocates posit that the transition to ETH 2.0 will position ETH as a monetary alternative to Bitcoin. They have even gone so far as to unironically call ETH ultrasound money in response to the sound money properties of Bitcoin. What these people fail to understand is that the ability of Ethereum to alter its monetary policy in order to be ultrasound is itself the reason why it cannot be. Bitcoin is sound money not because of the maximum supply of 21 million coins or its inflation rate having every 210,000 blocks. Both of these figures are arbitrary and could have easily been different. We are confident calling Bitcoin sound money because of the fact that these numbers are set in stone. Bitcoin and Ethereum have almost nothing to do with each other. They are both doing separate things and neither one should be trying to compete with the other. Ethereum is no more a threat to Bitcoin than aluminum foil is to gold. Ever since Bitcoin was launched, there have been countless faster and cheaper coins that have been created to solve Bitcoin's supposed problems. From Dogecoin to Litecoin to Digibyte and Bitcoin Cash, there is no shortage of competitors promising to dethrone Bitcoin. The reason this is unlikely to happen is the same reason TCP IP remains the internet standard 50 years after its creation. Upending and rebuilding the entire internet every time a slightly better data transfer protocol was invented would sort of be like an artist scraping and repainting their most famous paintings every time a slightly better canvas was invented. The point is, the best paintings are not those with the highest quality canvases, but rather those with simply a good enough canvas to allow the artist to create his masterpiece. All the canvas must do is get the job done. TCP IP gets the job done. It allows the internet to function and for applications to be built on top of it. In the same way, Bitcoin gets the extremely difficult job of separating money from state done. The fact that the Bitcoin blockchain is seemingly slower and more expensive than many other blockchains is irrelevant. Altcoin marketers have been working hard, boasting of greater scalability and faster transaction speeds than Bitcoin. The only problem is, is that no one seems to care. Countries are not adopting Digibyte as legal tender. Corporations are not holding Dogecoins on their balance sheets. World-class wealth managers are not allocating to Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash. Why not? Well, let's answer this question with an analogy. Imagine two travelers both leaving from Cleveland, Ohio, looking to fly into Cairo and visit the pyramids of Egypt. Traveler A's flight costs $500 and takes 10 hours. Traveler B gets his ticket for only 100 bucks and it takes only two hours. Traveler B boasts and brags to Traveler A about how much more cost and time effective his trip is. Both travelers board their flights and arrive in Cairo. The only difference is, while Traveler A ends up in Cairo, Egypt, Traveler B arrives in Cairo, Illinois. All of that time and money saved by Traveler B ended up actually being a waste of time and money because the prerequisite, the correct destination, was not accounted for. 
when it comes to the soundness of money, immutability is a prerequisite. Nothing else matters if this property is not fulfilled. If the monetary policy of a cryptocurrency can be changed after a few phone calls from the United States government or because powerful insiders say so, then every other feature it offers is completely irrelevant. Bitcoin did not achieve immutability by virtue of its code, but rather through the unique circumstance by which it was created. Bitcoin's code is completely open source. It can and has been copied and forked several times. Yet by definition, none of these copies can be considered immutable because of the simple fact that immutability had to be broken in order for the fork to exist in the first place. Empirically, we can see this playing out in real time with Bitcoin Cash. In 2017, a group headed by Roger Ver and Jihan Wu decided that, decided that it was worth it to sacrifice immutability in order to increase the block size. With this precedent set, it came to nobody's surprise when a year later, a faction within Bitcoin Cash community headed by Craig Wright decided to fork off from Bitcoin Cash, creating BSV. As these forks continue to be forked and fade into irrelevance, Bitcoin continues to chug along unscathed, immutability intact. In 1995, a writer for Newsweek by the name of Clifford Stoll made these sarcastic remarks about the internet. Quote, we're promised instant catalog shopping, just point and click for great deals. We'll order airline tickets over the network, make restaurant reservations and negotiate sales contracts. Stores will become obsolete. So how come my local mall does more business in an afternoon than the entire internet handles in a month? Even if there were a trustworthy way to send money over the internet, which there isn't, the network is missing a most essential ingredient of capitalism, salespeople, end quote. Stoll was describing the internet as he saw it in 1995. He failed to take into account the numerous applications that that same 1995 internet would in eventually enable as time went on. In the same way, many people see Bitcoin today as slow and costly. After all, it takes around 10 minutes for a transaction to confirm on the blockchain and fees can run up to a few dollars or more depending on the congestion on the network. Just as it took foresight to be able to recognize the ability of the internet to scale in the 90s, it takes looking deeper than just the surface to understand how Bitcoin can scale to millions of transactions per second. For those who do not mind giving up some privacy in exchange for ease of transaction, many companies such as Square and PayPal are integrating Bitcoin into their services. For people who want to maintain privacy and send Bitcoin at the speed of light with negligible fees, the Lightning Network is quickly becoming the payment option of choice. Already adopted in El Salvador and currently being integrated into Cash App, the Lightning Network is turning Bitcoin into a transactional currency, rendering thousands of altcoins useless in the process. Right now, the Federal Reserve is debating whether to keep interest rates low and let the economy be destroyed by inflation or raise interest rates and destroy the economy by popping the debt bubble. Meanwhile, there exists a parallel system where no such decisions need be made. This system has an algorithmic monetary policy that is known to everyone before they choose to opt in. Over time, beginning with small allocations, rational actors will move away from the current system characterized by bureaucracy, corruption, and inflation, and move into this other system run on the principles of mathematics, immutability, and scarcity. This system is called Bitcoin, and it has no competition. And after that brutally clear and simple explanation of why Bitcoin has no competition, 
thousands and thousands upon tens of thousands of people will get wrecked on Axie Infinity to get a cheap card on a cheap video game card platform and lose their money because some hacker figures out a way to spoof five out of seven validators for 216, no, $612 million in two transactions that wasn't caught for almost a week. Give me a break, dude. Give me a break. All right, let's see. Voyager is ordered by New Jersey to cease and desist. Brian Neuer tells us about it, Cointelegraph. The New Jersey Bureau of Securities has issued a cease and desist order against Voyager Digital for selling, you guessed it, unregistered securities through its Voyager Earn program. Voyager Digital, or VGX, is a centralized crypto-based staking, trading, and lending platform. <clears throat> the order claims that each of the crypto staking and lending accounts issued through the program since 2019 are indeed unregistered securities because of their promise of interest rates as high as 12%. The Bureau cites, as evidence for the claim, <clears throat> claim messages on Voyager's homepage encouraging users to grow your portfolio and journey to the new frontier of investing. New Jersey claims that about 52,800 accounts and $187 million of assets are from users based in the state out of roughly 1.5 million active accounts and $5 billion in assets on Voyager in total. <clears throat> Voyager's marketing tactics were also criticized with the regulators stating promotions for the program failed to disclose that Voyager's parent company, Voyager Digital LLC, is a publicly traded company in Canada, not the United States. The order claims that this creates a misleading impression with respect to Voyager Digital LLC's regulatory status. The Bureau also alleges that while Voyager claimed to be licensed, it was only licensed in some states as a money services business, which the Bureau states does not allow for the sale of unregistered securities. It added the claim, quote, may convey the misleading impression to unsophisticated investors that Voyager is licensed to offer and sell such securities, end quote. At least five other states, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Kentucky, and Vermont, have slapped Voyager with various orders or demanded the company explain how it is not issuing unregistered securities if it wishes to stay in business in their respective states. This incident is one in a growing list of such cases of or orders against crypto companies that offer interest-bearing accounts to users. In February, crypto lending platform BlockFi was hit with a similar cease and desist order from Washington State and a $100 million penalty for selling unregistered securities in the form of its interest-bearing accounts. Last September, the Securities and Exchange Commission threatened to sue crypto exchange Coinbase if it launched its long-awaited Coinbase Lend program. This program would have resembled BlockFi and Voyager's interest-bearing accounts for crypto lenders. At the time, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong called the SEC's behavior really sketchy as the threat came without any legal overtures. So now we've got Voyager is in the shit along with BlockFi. Guys, look, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, hold your Bitcoin, and stay away from these from, from anything that even remotely resembles this shit. Just don't do it. Not your keys not your coins, and you will lose them. I guarantee it. Let's run the numbers.
CNBC.com, futures and commodities. West Texas Intermediate is up three and uh, th- three and one third points to $107.77. Brent North Sea likewise up three and a quarter points to $113.83. Natural gas is up a little over two points to $5.44 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline is up three and a half percent to $3.31, actually $3.32 a gallon. Metals are all up. Uh, Gold back up above $1,900 to $1,928 after a half a percent increase. Silver is up 1.15% to 25 bucks. Platinum is up 1.3. Copper is up 0.6. And palladium rallying today, 5.17% to the upside. Agricultural futures are all up except for chocolate, which is down 0.83%. Biggest winner today is going to be sugar up 1.7. Nope, just flipped. Corn. It's the corn that's up 1.89%. Wheat up 1.5%. Sugar is up 1.78%. Coffee is up uh, 1.16%. Uh, let's see. Dow down a quarter point. S&P down a quarter point. NASDAQ down a half point. S&P mini is down a quarter point. So there you go. Now, real money. 47,263 bucks with 285,800 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's just under 12,000 transactions every hour on the hour with 807,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That's 33,637 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value that's low today. 2.82 BTC and a median transaction value holding firm at 0.013 BTC, about 600 bucks. Block times are slightly high, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. And uh, 0.07 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and almost 10 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And with a four and a half percent drop in hash rate, we're back down to 206.9 exahashes per second. Shitcoin indicator is Doge, 14.3 United States pennies. That should tell you what the rest of the... The reason, okay, the reason that I just focus on Doge, if it's been pissing you off, here's why. All the shitcoins have the same graph as Bitcoin. Okay, generally speaking, they all have the same graph. They all follow Bitcoin. They lose when Bitcoin loses. They win when Bitcoin wins. It's the same graph. That's what drives me crazy about people that are like doing technical analysis on Digibyte or whatever we were talking about in one of the earlier articles. It's ridiculous. Everything follows Bitcoin. Bitcoin allows your shitcoin to move. So therefore, the only, only shitcoin I have to look at to know what the entire shitcoin market is doing is Dogecoin. And I still to this day, have the softest of spots in my heart for Dogecoin because there was a time when it was fun to say that you had Dogecoin because it was a joke coin. It was built to be a joke. It was built as a backhanded insult to Bitcoin because the guys that created it thought cryptocurrency was so stupid that anybody could spin it up. So they did spin one up and they called it Dogecoin. And next thing you know, it's getting on a NASCAR race car. And I think it I think there was a bobsled team that was sponsored by Dogecoin. And at the time, back in 2015, it wasn't, it wasn't the environment we find ourselves in 
today. It wasn't just filled to the brim with scammers like it is today. And it could be fun. And it could be like somebody says, I have Dogecoin. And the first thing that happens is other people laugh. That is if they knew what Dogecoin was. And it was fun. But it's it's just one of 16,000 shit coins, right? So all I need to do is track one. So if Doge is, you know, 14.9 United States pennies from what it did yesterday at 13.9, you know, pennies, then you know that the entire crypto market is tracking relatively sideways or slightly up. It, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Okay. 3,983 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear. $896.0 billion is the market capitalization. And that is 7.06% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may buy 24.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,997,923 and a half. And 3,613 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $170.1 million, being run over 19,750 nodes, sporting 84,877 payment channels that we can see, and 75.1% of all of it's being run over TORS, 11,662 Bitcoin nodes, or at least the ones that we know about. Uh, That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. U.S. lawmakers pass e-cash bill that replicates physical money, leaving aside the Federal Reserve. Jose Aramis has it for Crypto Potato. A group of U.S. lawmakers introduced this Monday the e-cash act, a bill directed to the United States Treasury Department to encourage the entity to develop a digital version of the dollar. E-cash is not a CBDC, but a complement to it. Democratic Representative Stephen Lynch is the principal sponsor of the eCash Act, a legislative proposal passed to the House of Representatives. As per the bill, the United States Treasury Department was selected as the most appropriate government entity to develop the pilot program for the eCash instead of the Federal Reserve, the United States Central Bank. So it technically wouldn't be a central bank digital currency. In essence, eCash would be a bearer instrument that replicates the same functionalities of the physical dollar to the largest extent possible. According to the representative uh, Stephen Lynch, the main idea of the eCash system is to promote greater financial inclusion for low-income United States citizens who can't afford the minimum threshold to fund a bank account besides maximizing consumer protection and data privacy. Yeah, that's bullshit. The proposal suggests settling a new way of transaction or setting a new way of transaction. Uh, So I'm going to do that again. The proposal suggests settling a new way of transacting with digital dollars that would differ from CBDCs, which are based on digital ledger tools that record the transaction data from the sender and the receiver. eCash wouldn't be built using distributed ledger technology such as blockchain. Instead, the digital dollar would operate under new hardware issued and managed by the U.S. Treasury. The bill calls for the entity to design an experiment with e-cash devices. 
They can take the form of a secured chip on their cell phones or a new payment card that would allow users to send e-cash balances offline and anonymously. No, they're never going to be anonymous. It's never going to happen. Under this system reads the bill, funds can be verified via a dedicated or trusted computing environment located on the device itself. Being a bearer instrument means that it, that's in contrast to you know, account-based systems. So if someone loses the device in which their e-cash balance is held, they lose their funds as well. Same as losing a wallet with money in it. The development of the e-cash system might be propelled by the rapid growth of digital money globally. One of the examples of e-cash devices cited by the bill is a payments card issued by the Chinese government as part of the digital yuan rollout in which citizens can make offline payments. In the light of the above, a few weeks ago, Crypto Potato reported that the digital yuan could challenge the dominance of the U.S. dollar internationally, as said by Richard Turin, a financial technology consultant at CNBC. He stated, China is ahead in all financial technology by a decade. While China is openly hostile to crypto assets and crypto-related companies, it has intensively worked on the development of its national CBDC. As Crypto Potato reported, the People's Bank of China recently launched a pilot version of its digital yuan wallet application for iOS and Android users. So there you go. That's the end of the article. Holy shit, dude. There's two things here. Why didn't they include the Fed? The Fed's been in bed with the United States Treasury for years. The Fed's been a darling behind, even, you know, before, before they the United States government basically came out and, and, and made their girlfriend known to the public before that they were very, they were very linked with the federal reserve. So why are they bypassing the federal reserve right now? Why is it going to be just the U S treasury? Is there some kind of possible rift going on in between the United States government and the board of governors for the fed? Is there, is it possible that there's somebody in there that's like going, what we're doing is wrong. We have to separate these entities, even if they do. Okay. Even if they do separate the entities, the damage is already done. Right? There, there's no, there's no coming back from this. It's just, there's just no way. The second thing that I got an issue with is if there's going to be a CBDC and there's going to be this e-cash thing, does that mean that there's a peg between e-cash and the CBDC that is going to be issued by the Fed? Because that is going to happen. The, the Federal Reserve will issue a CBDC. So how's the relationship between a central bank digital currency and e-cash, which I guess is like we got central bank money and then we've got pleb money as far as they've outlined it here. It does, honestly, I guess it kind of doesn't matter because this is just bad. Everything about this is just horrible, right? They have no choice, ladies and gentlemen. They have no choice because China is racing down this track faster than anybody's ever seen before. And the United States and all the rest of the countries are like, shit, if we don't get our collective shit in order, we're going to be left out in the wind to twist. And they don't, nobody wants that. Again, though, even for China, the damage is already done. I, the writing is on the wall for all of you guys. It may be brutal for us in the interim, but the writing is on the wall. Nobody trusts you. Nobody wants you. Everybody hates you, honestly. And everybody is going to end up using something like Bitcoin. I hope everybody does use Bitcoin, but that's not going to be the case. And we've got to just understand that it's never going to be the case.
there's going to be shit coins galore forever and ever and ever and ever. It's going to be an unending, unrelenting torrent of bullshit that you're going to have to deal with. So because of that, the lifeline is this. You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, and you do it with self-custody. There's your lifeline. Now, oh, okay, this is interesting. I wish they'd used the word Bitcoin in it, but it's important enough that I'm going to read it here. Ian Gaines is presenting this from Bitcoin Magazine. It's an invitation to the Black and Latino Crypto Capital Hill Rally. We're inviting you to join us for the Black and Latino Crypto Capital Hill Rally at the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. on April the 4th. Blacks and Latinos are leading the nation in the charge towards cryptocurrency adoption, yet curiously, we find ourselves resisting the inertia of becoming hidden figures even within a decentralized world. Washington officials, the blockchain industry and media outlets still largely overlook the many success stories and contributions coming from communities that have the most to gain and provide to the industry. In order for a globally accessible protocol to realize its fullest potential and have its farthest reach, representatives across the entire spectrum must be decision makers at the table. Quote, we need to be seen by Washington and the crypto industry if we are to take our seats at the table as producers, not consumers. That means creating community-based programs and advocating financial inclusion initiatives to make sure our people do not miss out on the economic opportunities that this rapidly accelerating industry promises, says Cleve Mesidor, uh, I think is how you pronounce it, from the Blockchain Association. This realization to maximize Bitcoin's adoption potential promoted by the National Policy Network of Women of Color in Blockchain, Black Bitcoin Billionaires, Blockchain Latinx, Crypto for Black Economic Empowerment, Black People in Cryptocurrency, and Black Blockchain Summit to collaborate together and address our representatives on our stance while the United States Senate and House are in session. The itinerary is as follows. If you need to contact somebody for logistics, it's going to be Fiona Anderson, and that's Fiona at WOCblockchainpolicy.com. Media and program contact is Cleve Mesidor, Cleve at mylogos.io. And so the the itinerary is kind of like this. It's like, you know, 12 uh, p.m. Eastern uh, Eastern Standard Time, although it's not going to be Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be Eastern Daylight Time, guys. 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. <laughs> Attendees arrive at 1 p.m. The program begins at 1.05. Moderators welcome the attendees. Uh, 1.15, Cleve is going to say hello to everybody. And from 1.30 to 4.30, the speakers from events and partners and networking and all that kind of stuff happens. And then uh, by 5 o'clock, it's all over. So April 4th is particularly important for many reasons because, one, both U.S. Senate and House are in session. They're pending White House executive order on cryptocurrency. Supreme Court nominee vote by April the 8th. Focus will shift to midterm primaries elections soon. In addition, black Bitcoin billionaires will conduct interviews with attendees to address their representatives directly on why Bitcoin is important to them. Supporting this industry and its openness is fast becoming a stance people of color are voting based upon during the midterm elections. Let's make sure our representatives understand their constituencies' needs. DM Nature of, wait a minute, nature OFG 
for more information and involvement on messaging. And that's going to be twitter.com. You're looking for nature OFG uh, to Washington officials. Morning consult polling research showed that 45% of Democrats and 58% of Republicans didn't know or had no opinion on the amount of cryptocurrency regulation that should take place. Most congressional members have not formed a strong opinion or been educated enough on the matter. This presents an opportune moment. People of color drive the cultural narrative of the country's discourse and are often the demographics that swing elections. For example, 92% of black voters cast their ballot for President Joe Biden in the 2020 election. If only 10% of black voters decided to hold their vote for a candidate that met their specific demands, every election now and in the future would depend on those very few. The entire political landscape and candidate incentive structure would be redefined all at once. Generational wealth and financial stability now for the first time can be accessed without needing permission from the subjective and predatory whims of a legacy system that actively enforced barriers to our wealth. Candidates who care for the financial futures of their constituency, who acknowledge the historically inherited inequalities based in the current system, should deeply consider how this new asset class is transforming the lives of those that they pledge to serve. Tangible change is happening through innovation alone. We are meeting in April to ensure that progress will not be disturbed. So please join us. Again, that's Ian Gaines writing for Bitcoin Magazine. The name of it is the Black and Latino Crypto Capital Hill Rally. It is on April the 4th on Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. So if you want to go, and honestly, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter if you're, it's not like only blacks and Latinos should be going to this shit. Everybody's like, you need Asians and whites out there and blacks and Latinos and Latinas and all. I mean, everybody needs to go to this shit because everybody has at one point or another needs to have their voices heard. All right. I think it's good that this is happening, but I don't think that you should think that it's only for black and Latinos. Maybe that's what they, maybe that's what this group wants. Maybe if you did go, there'd be a problem. If it was a problem, then we've got, we've got bigger problems than whether or not cryptocurrency gets adopted by members of fucking Congress. Everybody needs to go to this. If you can, I mean, if you can't go to Washington DC because you live across the country, well, duh. Yeah, I get it. But if you're anywhere close to the freaking area of Washington DC, Man, I mean, if, if you've got a metro station anywhere close to your ass, you can get to the Capitol really easy. It's really easy to use the metro system in Washington, D.C. And that shit goes all the way out to freaking Williamsburg. Or not Williamsburg, what am I thinking of? Um, oh, God. It's the, there's a bunch of satellite cities, cities around, uh, around Washington, D.C., and a lot of them are served by the metro. So you can even, you don't even have to drive all the way into Washington, D.C. to get to the metro. You can get to it from a satellite city. Uh, Core Scientific strikes digital gold. Revenue up 800%. Gross profit up 2,500%. Brian Quarby, tell me more from Cointelegraph. United States Bitcoin mining firm Core Scientific has posted bullish 2021 fiscal year results compared with the year prior. Its revenue increased by 803% to 544.5, was, was that 
$5 million and gross profits grew by 2,443% to $238.9 million. Holy smokes, man. The results were announced on Tuesday and show a total net income the take home after expenses totaling 47, $47.3 million last year. The figure marks a drastic increase from the net loss of $12.2 million seen in 2020. In term of core scientific's revenue streams, <clears throat> hosting revenue increased 91% from 2020 to $79.3 million in 2021. Equipment sales increased by 1,871% and digital asset mining income grew 3,440% to $216.9 million. Core Scientific Mike Levitt said, <clears throat> or CEO Mike Levitt said that the firm's BTC mining hash rate increased from less than three exahashes at year end of 2020 to 13.5 exahashes at year end 2021, which resulted in more than 5,700 mined BTC. Looking forward, Levitt stated that the company is on track to meet its expansion plans in 2022. Quote, in the first two months of 2022, our total hash rate grew to 15.9 exahashes per second, and we self-mined over 2,000 Bitcoin. Across our business, we are executing our plans effectively and remained well positioned to continue expanding our capacity and creating shareholder value, end quote. While the firm posted strong increases across the board, the trend also occurred on the expense side of the equation. The cost of revenue increased by 500% to $305 million. Meanwhile, net income was partially offset by $41.3 million worth of non-operating expenses related to our convertible notes and a $14.6 million increase in the interest expense from financing arrangements. Core Scientific has also noted that its operating income was also primarily offset by $46 million of higher general and administrative expenses, which was driven by $29.8 million of higher stock-based compensation expense and $37.2 million of higher impairments of digital currency assets. Following the company's impressive 2021 results, Core Scientific founder Darren Feinstein also took some time to slam Greenpeace and Ripple chairman Chris Larson after the duo teamed up this week to launch the Change the Code, Not the Climate campaign. The initiative aims to fundamentally change Bitcoin to a more environmentally friendly conscious model such as proof of stake. Feinstein said Greenpeace had sold out Bitcoiners. And here's a tweet from Darren Feinstein. It says, yesterday, out of the 100 million global active Bitcoin users, 99% supported Greenpeace. Then, for $5 million, Greenpeace sold all of them out to support an unregistered security. Ooh. Yeah, Greenpeace is a terrorist organization now. By the way, they were founded in 1971. Did you know that? What else happened in 1971? Oh, that's right. Whatever. Bitcoin holds steady as Luna Foundation Guard resumes purchases. Okay, before you start screaming your head off, this is happening. Okay, Luna holds a shit ton of Bitcoin. I think they hold more than my, than a MicroStrategy at this point, and I'm not sure about that number yet. Um, so it's not it's not insubstantial what they're doing. I think the token is a shit coin. I don't think that there's any need for it whatsoever. They're buying Bitcoin to back their token, but the token doesn't really, it's not needed. And neither is their stablecoin version of the token. None of that shit's needed. It's just another shit coin. 
I think what Luna's doing is they're playing on Bitcoiners emotions as a marketing ploy and they're buying a shit ton of BTC and we're going to look at it and go, oh, Luna's making the number go up. Oh, we love Luna. No, we don't. No, we don't. We just don't. Okay. But it is happening. It's going on. Uh, let me see if I can find the actual number. Um, <clears throat> okay. LFG has purchased 5,773 Bitcoin worth 272 million this week. The foundation's confirmed Bitcoin address showed at 942 UTC. Nearly half was purchased on Monday and the rest a few minutes before press time. Last week, it acquired about $125 million of BTC each weekday. Quote, the foundation had a trading hiatus after Monday's big purchase. It is back today, snapped up 2,943 BTC. Arcane Research's Vitel Lund told Coindesk in a Twitter chat, quote, last week, LFG sent $125 million worth of USDT across all weekdays and $160 million on Saturday to Jump Trading, who executed the BTC trades quickly thereafter. USDT is the symbol for Tether, the world's largest stable coin by market value. Uh, so the deal was is that I, I, I pulled this out of the ether because I saw an, a different article that was published like an hour before this one was published that said Bitcoin's having price problems because Luna stopped buying Bitcoin. And then right after that was published, they bought more Bitcoin, which I think is funny as shit. But what's not funny is the fact that we are dealing with shitcoiners. Luna is a shitcoin. Their USC or whatever that they're trying to do as a stable coin is also a shitcoin. You don't need it. Just buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Got a joke for the middle of the week. What do you call a biography made entirely out of memes? A memoir. Yeah, that one's for you, Greg. That's all for you, brother. All right. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can get the Fountain app or the Breeze Wallet or maybe the Sphinx Chat app. All of them have the capability to stream this show and you can stream me Satoshis. If you don't want to do that, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. You know, help me out here, guys. I'm, 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 I'm trying to bring you the news. That's for some reason, I think it's important to figure out what the hell's going on, you know, as early in the morning as I can so that I can figure out what the hell to do for the rest of the day is regarding what kind of FUD are we gonna hear? Like this e-cash thing snuck up on me. I didn't even hear about that shit until this morning. And apparently this actually happened like yesterday. And if I'm missing news, I know a lot of other people are missing news and I don't want you guys to miss the news. So I'm trying to do it in a way that is upbeat. I'm trying to do it in a way that, you know, makes sense. I don't edit any of these shows, by the way. I mean, other than to cut in some music, but that doesn't really, that doesn't take any time. You know, that's why I don't cut out coughs. I don't have a cough button. Sorry, I just don't. It's as raw news, man. It's, this is basically a live show. It's basically live. I'm doing this live. We're doing it live, bitches. Anyway, with all that said, I'll see you on the other side.
This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.